Podcast episode 458. Happy TGIF, everybody. Continuing our week-long celebration of music and some of the tremendous musicians who've been kind enough to chat with us over the past few months. And by us, I really mean chat with me. But uh, video versions of all these interviews have been posted on the Blackcast YouTube channel. They're there for the watching. Each and every one of these conversations is making its first appearance as an audio segment right here on the black cast throughout this entire week in a moment we'll be joined by musician sydney pierce he's part of a band called asmr we'll talk to him about a new song that the band has called vita which you just heard a little of at the start of the episode then a little later we'll have another visit with a great young up-and-coming artist named jt lux his latest song is called taken by moonlight but joining me now is musician Sydney Pierce of ASMR, and they have a new song called Vita, and that's V-I-T-A. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So what struck me immediately about the song, Vita, is that there's some very different kind of sounds in there. You know, there's a little funk, some hip hop, definitely some pop, and also like electronic. It was almost like Oh, this sounds, and believe me, I mean this in the best way possible, kind of sounds a little bit like some uh, Super Mario sounds in there. You know, there's some electronic, you know, video, you know, all sounds that are very important to, you know, a lot of generations youth, you know, and it just has that familiar feeling to it. And yeah. so the, the, where I thought I would start is I feel like you're going to have some fairly eclectic influences before you even started making music. So what, uh, you know, just sort of growing up, what were some of the biggest uh, different kind of things you were into? Yeah. So when I was growing up, I would say up through like my teenage years, I pretty much just listened to basically whatever my dad was listening to. And that was like rap, hip hop and R and B. And then he got me a guitar and I needed something to play. So I was like, all right, let me see you see what else is out there. And then I got really into System of a Down. Then I heard Metallica after I had been like trying to play guitar. Sure. And I heard what they were doing and it was like mind blowing, like phenomenal. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then it was like all metal from then on. Like, um, and then, you know, as time went on, I kind of like branched out into different things. But yeah, there are a lot of different sounds and, and uh, genres mixed in the music because I mean, that's kind of how my playlist is on my phone. You know, it goes from like boys to men to like Black Dahlia Murder to, you know, whatever, to Skrillex or like whatever. 
And I pretty much just try to fit all of that into most of the songs. And that's, yeah, that's what you're hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a, it's a great point that you're talking about sort of the, you know, actually getting a guitar is, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's hard yeah. to appreciate what these people are doing, you know, if you're not trying to do it yourself, I think, for some stuff. Yeah. And uh, in terms of actually, you know, taking in the music, what were uh, some of the earliest and how old were you when you saw live music for the first time? And what way did that impact you? Um, you know, I think that the first shows that I went to were like local shows. Sure. I didn't go to any big, and it was really like the guitar really just like changed everything, you know, cause I didn't really have a huge interest in live music or anything like that until I yeah. started trying to do it myself. Um, but I would say it's like very, very impactful. And I was like lucky enough to, when I first started playing shows to get linked up with a group. They were called MMFM, Mr. Miyagi's Frogert Machine. It was a ska punk band. That's a great name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But these guys, when they were on stage, were like so charismatic. So it was like, it, it was, it was really a game changer, like watching the way that these guys perform and interact with the crowd. And it's definitely had a huge influence and impact on me. And I was like, wow, like that's the kind of stuff that I want to do. Yeah, you know, I, I I talk about this a lot. That uh, you know, the the first uh, concerts I went to were in 1990. So at the very first concert I saw, I saw Alice Cooper, then I saw Kiss, and then I saw Aerosmith. So I had a thought yeah. for what live music was like <laughs> from those bands. And wow. then you go like, oh no, but it could actually just be a guy at a stage with a with an acoustic guitar, and that's great too. You right, know, right. but <laughs> rocking out power chords toned down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and especially, you know, I was, what I was, I was 14 and I saw, you know, Alice Cooper get his head cut off by a guillotine. I'm like, I guess that's what happens at concerts. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, talking about great band names, uh, your band started with uh, what I have to say is undeniably a great band name, Super Nintendo Bros. Uh, and but that's like almost ten years ago now, right? So talk a little bit about putting that together and sort of the way it evolves into ASMR. Sure, yeah. So um, yeah, we started that band in like 2012, 2013, Super Nintendo's, and at the time it like made sense because that's totally what we were. Like wear sunglasses everywhere, like have attitude. We played a bunch of video game covers and stuff like that. But then as time went on, we kind of wanted to be we kind of wanted to be taken a little bit more seriously. So we kind of took like the video game covers out of the set. And then we started writing more songs that were like meaningful and like about like real life stuff and like experiences that we had. And at some point the branding stopped making sense because, you know, I, I'm sure plenty of people have stumbled upon Super Nintendo's and thought, I don't want to listen to like the Mega Man soundtrack right now. I want to listen to like real music, you know? Yeah. Uh, not that that music isn't real, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And that's when we decided to make the change over to that. And is the reason that we chose the name ASMR is because it's it was difficult to find something that kind of pinpointed our sound. And I'm not sure if you know what the acronym stands for. Yeah, so I, I've heard of it, and, and I know that it, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And my yeah. understanding is that, like, you know, there's all these a ASMR videos, and it's a lot of, like, you know, you, uh, just sort of keeping it on the, the more PG area of it. It's just like, you know, like a girl brushing her hair 
or it's like I, I'm, I'm you know and then just sort of talking in a in a very like monotone you know like and now i'm doing this and then i'm doing right. that. that that's my understanding of it so i so when yeah. that showed up as as the name of a of a band that uh, i could potentially talk to i was like well that's interesting so yeah tell us why you thought that uh, that that name really uh, captured what you and your band were about right well so asmr in and of itself is really just any audio phenomena that gives you goosebumps or the chills and i felt like that was really cool conceptually for a band to be named and i also felt like it's it's sort of all encompassing because it, it doesn't like bog us down and like oh they're like a metal band or oh they're a pop band or oh they're like an r&b band kind of deal you know so i i felt like that was a good fit and that's why we decided to go with it right and uh, so and in both incarnations of the the band you know with both names uh it's you and and steve uh steven uh barotarian yeah. or am i way off on that it's Barotran. Yeah, I knew it. I, I first of all, it's just the, the the whitest pronunciation you could have, but I knew I wasn't right. going to be close. Right. Uh, so, so, how did you guys get to know each other? And I also find it's interesting that just in the course of having the band, you know, real life got in the way, and and you guys both kind of put it on the back burner. Yeah, yeah. So Steve and I actually went to high school together. Um, but we weren't really friends in high school, oddly enough. It wasn't until after high school that we kind of connected and started hanging out. And then uh, we were all both doing our own separate projects. And then he picked up a guitar and I picked up a guitar. I think it was around the same time. Um, and then just because like we were hanging out together all the time, we were like, oh, like, let's play some music, you know. And it started out as like an acoustic thing. And we were just kind of like messing around. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Steel Panther. Yeah, yeah, I know that the yeah. that Steel Panther. It's basically like you know, uh, sort of that that late '80s, early '90s hard rock that you know some people call hair metal, but it's more Spinal Tap. And they they right. play it as characters, and it's part of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I I was like really into them back in the day. So Steve and I decided to start a group where it was sort of like a similar thing, but it was an acoustic group. But instead of like party guys, we just wrote the saddest songs ever, like the actors. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculously sad. We had a song called The Happiest Song on Opposite Day, just like really over the top sad stuff. Right. <laughs> and then we had a lot of fun doing that. We decided like, oh, you know, maybe it'd be fun to like try something like serious and like actually start putting together like an actual group and like going out and playing like some real shows and trying to get a following and stuff. And that's kind of how Super Nintendo's came about. Um, and then you know, we, we had some decent momentum, like there was some stuff happening. We like won, a, we won the 2017 Battle of the Bands at Sac State, which was pretty cool. And then something happened to where life did kind of get in the way. Steve like had a kid and he, was, he started going to, uh, his master's program and he was like living in Sacramento and his master's program was in Oakland. So that was like a three hour drive every day. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. yeah. Insane. Um, and then I was like, Oh, maybe it's time to grow up. Blah, 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 blah. They so tried <laughs> to be a restaurant manager and that was terrible. It's like the worst. I mean, if you're a restaurant manager, like mad respect to you. I just, I personally did not enjoy it very much. Right. If, if what you want to do is make music, uh, you, you're not going to really scratch that itch by being a restaurant manager, you know? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. So then one day I just kind of picked up a guitar and I played something and I was like, this is sick. Like, 
what? And I recorded it and I showed it to Steve and I was like, bro, we gotta, we gotta do it again. We gotta. Yeah. And he agreed. So, and then, you know, the rest is history. So uh, two questions about sort of the, the backstory. The first is, was there a name when you guys would perform as the really sad acoustic group? That, that was an Nintendo's. Not oh, okay. It's a regular Nintendo. <laughs> so, so not so super Nintendo. Right, right. And right. when you guys did play video game uh, covers, what were some of the most fun and the ones that uh, you know that people like freaked out the most? That, you know, I feel like uh, like Mario Brothers would probably be like the encore or something. You know. Yeah. Well, we used to open our shows with the castle theme. Uh, oh right, Mario. sure. And that theme is metal. That is a metal theme. It's awesome. <laughs> Right. Uh, we did that. We played um, we played the Storm Eagle theme from Mega Man X, mm -hmm. um, and then we, we played a couple other ones too. But those are the two that like jump out. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But uh, that's yeah, <laughs> that's uh, you know you can definitely see that uh, you know sometimes if uh, you know like I I don't think that uh, you know Metallica would sneak that in there. But if you had a band that they came out and started their encore with something like, you know, Super Mario Brothers or Zelda or something, people would be like, yeah, yeah they'd just lose their minds over it. <laughs> so I think yeah. August Red has a Zelda cover and it's nice. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you and Steven get back together. And at some point you realize that being called Super Nintendo Bros is not necessarily going to get uh, the kind of attention that you're looking for, you know? So, uh, right. you kind of talked about changing the name, but talk about sort of the realization that just going out there and doing shows maybe isn't enough and sort of looking at it from, you know, honestly, the, the business side, which is the self-marketing, social media and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like if you try something for 10 years and it doesn't work, like, you got to you got to look at a different angle and try to do something different. But I think that that's kind of an issue that a lot of like younger, like up and coming artists have they're like we're just gonna play it the plan is to be famous you know like we're gonna play a bunch of shows and we're gonna be famous and be famous is a goal but it's not a plan and that's kind of where uh that realization came from yeah so uh i, I thought it was interesting that uh you know when i was reading in the the bio that you know there's a lot of the standard stuff you know you have social media you do a youtube channel uh but uh, giving away T-shirts that always helps, but uh, giving away sunglasses with the logo. See, now that I like because that's practical. It's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw these away, and like a T-shirt you're not gonna throw away. But are you gonna wear it? Sometimes yes, sometimes right. no. But it's like oh, you know, like I don't know. At, at some point years ago, I got a, a, you know a Chick Fil A opened and they gave me uh, sunglasses, and they're like in the bottom of my car for when I'm like oh I don't have any sunglasses, you know. So I'm not going to throw away free sunglasses, is what I'm saying. Right. You know? Well, so. that's I, we felt like that was a pretty good um, yeah. branding opportunity because every time we play shows on stage, we're always wearing sunglasses. That's just like part of our thing. I don't know, it's what we do. So right. it made sense uh, to give away those as well. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and then I, I kind of like the idea is that the realization is, is how good all that stuff can be, but then it was important that, well, what you have to do is make an album that is so good that people can't ignore you, you know, and, yeah. uh, some some bands might never figure that out actually <laughs> you know? that it's like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand well, why they don't like us. I think it's, you know, for me, as a musician, as somebody who's like writing music, and I think Steve would agree with that too, uh, if he were here, but uh, it's like 
we've played a lot of shows with a lot of bands and I always pay attention to who sounds really good and who doesn't. And even bands that I listen to like big bands, when I'm listening to their album, I'm like, okay, this is what I have to compete with. Like I have to write stuff that's at least this tight to be taken seriously. And I think that a lot of artists kind of go, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm not saying that I don't do that. I definitely, I do what I'm passionate about, but I don't think that they take other stuff. Like I don't think they take things like that into account. Like, I don't know how many artists are like, okay, I need to write something that's as good. I need, I need to compete with like the Jason Richardson's, like the Tim Henson's, like I need to compete with all these other bands. So I need to do something that's actually phenomenal. Like just okay is not going to cut it. So, yeah, right. And I think, uh, I, I think that, uh, it, it certainly helps to realize that early on, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can, you know, you talked about, uh, Metallica and obviously like their breakthrough is that 1991, that black album, but it's like, yeah, but there's all the stuff they did before that, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, can, can you have something that's not going to sound like it, but it's like, can I, can I have something that's on the level of like kill them all? And then I work up to having, you know, something, you know, like even other bands in that genre, you just sort of think of like, okay, yeah. well that, you know, these bands are able to start from here and then they, they get to this point. And uh, I think it's, it, I don't know. I think it can be important to really monitor what worked for other bands. I mean, a good example would be, you know, Nirvana's first album, Bleach, it has a really loud like sound where you would think that they probably recorded it in a garage. I don't think they actually did. <clears throat> but then the album that everybody knows is Nevermind because it's like, well, yeah, because they had the money to spend on a, on a producer. So obviously now the technology exists where... And I was reading how, I guess, you really invested sort of in that side of it, the production side, that you can yeah. do stuff yourself and you can through trial and error figure out how it works instead of like in the old days where like you know an hour of studio time is you know x thousand dollars you know and yeah. uh talk about sort of figuring out that side of like great we have good songs how can i make them sound as good as somebody who maybe you know did spend a million dollars on studio time for an album right well you know everybody in the band we all come from like this really small town called vallejo and it's kind of ghetto there so I think that having that kind of upbringing has just sort of made us a little bit more resourceful than maybe your average person. Cause I had to figure out a way to get like, like radio quality production on like the thinnest of dimes. Like I don't have, you know, I don't have a ton of resources. So that was when I had the realization, I was like, okay, well, I, the mixing and mastering thing that's you need to like go to college for that. that is great it's like so complicated <laughs> right. but, I, but i knew that i could do everything else if i just you know learn because i've been playing around on like garage band like forever so just like a testament to that um all the, in the song vita all the instrumentation was i did that in my bedroom so you know it, it, it definitely it took some time and there was some investment yeah, but I could see a clear path to getting the quality that I wanted out of my music. And that was by just learning how to do the production on my own. At least the, the, the part that I can do on my own, I do on my own. And then if I don't know how to do something, I'll just outsource that. But yeah, and it's kind of the fascinating thing, you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be quick to say that it's not 
really the kind of music that I listen to, but you know what? She's not making it for me, but it's so impressive that Billie Eilish and her brother, you know, literally in her bedroom, they put out an album and that album is, that's how it got released, you know? And the fact that you can even do that is is so fast because, you know, five years ago, you couldn't do that. You definitely couldn't do it 10 years ago. You know, the fact that technology has gotten to this point and I think we're getting so much music, especially the last year and a half when people are, you know, in their houses an awful lot more, you know, just the amount of music that we're able to get and the quality of it, you know, I mean, I've, I've interviewed people who've been in bands for 30 plus years and they're like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to leave my house. We would, uh, we would just send files to each other and stuff. And it's crazy to think about, you know, that it's like, it sounds just as good as, as those albums that I listened to 30 years ago, you know? Right. No, yeah, it's definitely crazy. And there's definitely an opportunity here that did not exist before. Um, And then, yeah, like you said, like over the pandemic, like, Honestly, I mean, the pandemic's a terrible thing, clearly, but I definitely think that there's a lot of opportunity with being locked down. And I, I use that time to to really work on the single, Vita, and also to finish the rest of the album, which we don't have a release date yet. Follow us on Twitter and then, you know, yeah and for people that are just listening to the audio version uh the twitter instagram facebook it's all asmr music with a q so asmr m-u-s-i-q uh and uh, you can see that on the screen if you're watching the video version and you're at sid pierce music if they want to talk to you and the uh the album's called alternative progress so uh i'm interested in that so uh where where does that name come from for you so i okay so I feel like the way that music has been progressing recently, and at least in terms of like FM radio play and like top 40 hits, for me, it all sounds kind of like mathematical. I don't, I don't feel a whole lot of artistry woven into the music that comes out. And I don't know if maybe you have that reality. Is that- yeah. I mean, you know, there's, it, it, it's especially, you know, you're, you're highlighting something in, in particular sort of, you know, music that you hear uh, FM radio, you know, and so a lot of the times if, if I get in the car and my wife was the last one driving uh, is when I'm going to hear music. And I'm like, Oh, I, I wouldn't have picked this. And you'll listen to it for a little bit and you'll go like, okay, I, I can see why that's popular, but right. I don't know that I have a connection to it uh, in, in the same way as I did to the, to the music that I would put on the car when, when I'm driving around, you know? Right, absolutely. And that's kind of where the title came from, Alternative Progress, because I think we've done a good job of weaving together a lot of different genres, and we're hoping to progress music in a different direction with our album. And maybe that's like a huge goal, I know, but that's that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's like when you, when I think somebody has to sort of take that approach. I mean, you know, just when you hear, there's those seminal moments where, you know, music did start to sound different just because of a, you know, a variety of reasons, you know, and I mean, it's right. just the emergence of, of early hip hop. The first time that you, you know, the, the first time I ever heard Run DMC, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't quite understand what this is, but uh, yeah. first of all, it sounds, first of all, it sounds cool. And um, man, those guys look cool. I wish, I wish I had a head to toe Adidas, but, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, just collaborations, like speaking, you know, you have the Run DMC Aerosmith, you have Aerosmith and Public Enemy, not, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Anthrax and Public Enemy, you know, just those, those moments, I think were so important where it's like, look, these are the, it's coming from the same place. And, I, I didn't even mean, I almost used this turn of phrase and then I realized I'm like, oh, that's from the Bob Seger song. But in 
all time rock and roll. He says today's music don't have the same soul. And I think sometimes you feel that where you're like, oh yeah, somebody set out to go like, oh, you want me to write a number one single? Watch this. And then yeah. it's like, oh yeah, they did that. But uh, you know, yeah. and then it's, and, and then, you know, not that everybody who has a number one single doesn't have, you know, I mean, you have somebody like Bruno Mars where I'm like, yeah, there's math involved in that, but it's also like, you know, he Bruno delivers Mars on a level. Right. Yeah, he delivers on a level like nobody else does, yeah. you know? So right. it's like, he figured it out, but it's also like, you know, it's all there. It's like somewhere inside him and he needs to get it out, you know? And yeah. uh, right. I think a guy like Pharrell, Pharrell Williams, who was a producer for so long, obviously yeah. he's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, he's like, I did it for everybody else. Let me do it for me now, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely feel like the way that we've approached like writing these songs and like putting the, putting them together, I feel like there was a void that we're sort of filling right here because, oh, for, one of the things we wanted to do was make metal kind of accessible to like more people. So that's yeah. why there's like heavy riffs in there. Um, but it's not like screaming and it's not like, you know, everything needs to like burn, you know, it's not, it's not that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I think that we just want to, I think there is a void and I think that we're, tr our goal is to fill it basically. I think we're doing yeah. that. Yeah. And, and you know, sort of, I was talking about, you know, the combinations of different elements and, you know, a, a band that I've loved for probably also 30 years is Fishbone because it's like, we're going to take a little bit of everything and yeah, yeah we're going to, yeah. You know, Angelo raps a little bit. Sometimes he does some spoken word stuff and then it's just yeah. like, but it's loud and it's fast and they've got the horns and then sometimes they don't have the horns, you know? Yeah. And, open for them in my ska punk band like way like 10 12 years oh ago. really yeah yeah oh yeah that's, awesome I, I haven't seen them in a few years but the last time i did like angelo was still just you know running around on the stage with the cane and the hat and and you know i yeah. i look i've seen people get get sweaty when they're on stage but it's like this guy is like you know drenched <laughs> it's like his, <laughs> his sweat droplets or have like little droplets on them and uh, yeah yeah you know, yeah. and it, it's to me, it's a great example of, you know, just somebody's like, oh, yeah, we like all this different kind of stuff. Let's figure out how to make it work. And, yeah. you know, they've they've never been like a, you know, a huge top 40 band or by any stretch of the imagination. But I think a, a lot of people have been influenced by them and you can kind of you can kind of see that. And uh, I think the idea of taking metal and making it accessible is a, is a great way to boil it down, because, you know, sometimes there's music that you think sounds really good. And, and you know it's the sort of the temple of really heavy music yeah, where they, right. then all of a sudden you know they got they call it like cookie monster vocals and you're like oh man yeah. that that sounded so cool and then it's like oh well, imagine if they had hired somebody who could sing you know right right yeah i think there's, there's a lot of negative associations with metal and like that's sure. kind of like the cookie monster vocals like yeah. it's hard for people to get into that i know like when i first started listening to metal i did not like the screaming at all now yeah. Now I the screaming is the favorite part. Like get the singing out of here. But you know, it started out you know, it, was like, it was kind of rough for me to get into it. But I do it, the musicianship of metal is like so cool. Yeah, no, exactly. And and you know, when you think about just sort of the the so many different directions it can go, and obviously, you know, you have the the hybrids of like metal and and rap, and then you know, sometimes you'll think about it. I think to me, a good example is somebody not for metal and rap, but uh, you know, yeah. Dave Dave Mustaine and Megadeth. Like that music is yeah. metal, but it's like the way that he writes and what he writes about. It's almost like he's he's a poet who is like figured out that the, he's he's just going to shout over as, as much of the music as he can. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I, I love the idea of taking it and and you know just really 
you know, because yeah, really heavy music with a great singer. It's, it's hard to really, uh, you know, really, uh, complain about that. And, you know, that was to just bring it back to Metallica. It was like, that was the point in that black album where it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, we're just as, as loud as we always were, but we've also got, you know, something else matters and stuff like that. So, right. uh, yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a great sound. It's a great mix. Uh, personally, I look forward to hearing more, uh, now yeah. we're at a point where, you know, some bands get to do an occasional live show. Some bands are going out on, on like full tours. Where are you guys at in terms of playing? Uh, are there long-term plans, anything short-term? Where are you at in terms of trying to bring this music to people in a live setting? You know, ultimately we'd like to set up a tour and go on that. We're not quite to that point yet though. Um, so we might have a show in San Francisco in October, maybe it's not set in stone. Follow us on Twitter and, yeah. and we'll, we'll give you updates about that. Um, but we don't really have anything planned out right now. Uh, right now, we just released the single. Yeah. So, you know, I'm doing interviews like this um, and trying to talk to people, maybe get a little bit of a following. And then maybe we'll play like a couple test shows here and there to like see who comes out. Um, yeah. And then we'll go from there. And, uh, it, you know, you're talking about the, the album, uh, Alternative Progress. It's not coming out anytime soon. Is there like, oh, maybe sometime early 2022? Is there like a general uh, blueprint for like, oh, yeah, we hope sometime in the next six months, eight months or somewhere in that range? You know, honestly, what we want to do is release this album correctly. And mm -hmm. we're still trying to strategize and figure out what the best uh, moves we could make or what the best things we're going to set up and what the best types of marketing strategies would be for that. So we're still on that phase. So I don't, maybe six months. Yeah. Maybe. And we'll probably, we're going to drop a couple more singles too before, before the album. Drops. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the blueprint that works these days now is, uh, you know, the, uh, you do a few of the songs before the album comes out and, yeah. uh, you know, you're talking about the things that you've learned, which is to have a good album. And I think that, you'll have the bands that uh, they might put out a few uh, good songs, but then if you listen to the album, you're like, oh, wait, I already heard the good ones. So as long as the ones that are on the album are also good, then you have something to like, well, I, I know I need more. And I think that, yeah, when you get to see a band live, that goes, you know, such a long way, you know, to, to actually get to see it. But, yeah. you, you know, I think it's, it is all timing and it is great to have the time to spend on here. And uh, by the way, when uh, somebody has a compliment in the chat, we have to make sure we get right to it. Uh, Sam says, been listening since the start of the interview great so far thank you Stan sam for being there uh, in the chat uh we appreciate that so uh but now back on the screen for those watching everyone can see how to keep uh tabs on asmr music with a q and at sid pierce music so uh more songs to come and then you know an album sometime in 2022 and uh hopefully by mid 2022 everybody's out on the road so they'll you know this tour that tour maybe you guys can uh you know jump on do your own touring in the same time and uh hopefully I mean, I'd love to do that. Yeah. yeah yeah i think it's a you know it, it's great the uh uh wolfgang van halen you know eddie van halen's son he has this new band and they have this great opportunity where they're opening for guns and roses but oh. he's also doing 
you know, he's playing like at the whiskey here in LA, you know, and I'm like yeah. off days. So it's like, it's great because it's like, oh yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll get into the city and then we have some off days and then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll hop off somewhere myself. And I think that, uh, you know, that's kind of the best of uh, both worlds. And yes, it doesn't hurt when, you know, your band is fronted by the guy who was uh, Eddie Van Halen's son, but <laughs> If the band's not good, if the band's not good, you're not going to get put on the Guns N' Roses tour just because of who your dad was, you know? So, right. uh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, you know, so hopefully that when there's a, all, all the big tours are out there, hopefully uh, somebody uh, sees a good spot for you guys and that everybody's able to see you soon. But yeah, for that. now, they can check out Vita uh, and, uh, you know, keep tabs on the, the possible show coming in uh, San Francisco and uh, any other music at ASMR music with a Q. Uh, Sid, thank you. Sydney. I know it says Sid and I was going to say yeah. Sid Pierce, but it's like, I don't, I don't know you Sydney Pierce, but <laughs> Sid Pierce music, Sydney, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Uh, it's uh, been great getting to know you. I loved hearing the song and I look forward to hearing more. Great. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the interview. It was great meeting you. Joining me now is musician JT Lux, who has a great song called Taken by Moonlight, which is also the title track to his album, which uh, since the last time we chatted has uh, now been released. JT, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me again. I know last time we talked, it was right before the record was about to release. So we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And uh, let's uh, sort of take a moment. I mean, if you're going to name your album after the song, uh, you would assume that this is kind of a special song and this is you know not one of those footnotes in uh in in like rock history where you know houses of the holy is not on the houses of the holy album and waiting for the sun is not on the waiting for the sun album but you've actually got <laughs> the title track on the album was uh there a plan to call it something else or or did you always have this song uh did did anything change because of how much you connected with this song yeah that's a good question um and uh, the album wasn't originally going to be called that. And that song actually wasn't going to be on the record because uh, it got kind of put on the back burner because, you know, as I was developing my sound and we were developing our, our sound as a band, um, we just kept writing songs and we'd written probably about 40 songs. And that Taken by Moonlight had, you know, always been a, a good song in my opinion, but it kind of got put on the back burner because, um we just were so busy writing new ones every, you know, every week. But, um, you know, we revisited that song and it really connected with, um, you know, Frank and I listening back to it. And we just realized that we needed to touch up on it because it had been like, you know, like eight months since we'd done anything to it. So, you know, I re-sang the vocal and everything uh, in like two or three takes. And um the, the original title of the album was going to be another song called uh, Bed of Roses, but we felt like Taken by Moonlight was a stronger, um, something that someone could connect to better and could we could do a little bit cooler visuals with the music video. So um, when we did the music video, we were able to kind of like uh, use, uh, manipulate light and, and diffuse it with, the, we hung these like uh, 
queen size sheets in the trees and we put lights above them and uh yeah you could see it right here and so all the lighting in here is is all um we got like four different queen size sheets um beside us and above us and then above that is uh the lighting um we, we hung a couple lights on a rope yeah, that was one of the things I want to ask him for our uh, our audience who's watching the video version of this interview. You can see the video right now. And uh, if you want to see the video for Taken by Moonlight uh, independently, just go to uh, JT Lux, L-O-U-X. Uh, that's uh, go to his uh, YouTube page. And yeah, I thought that the uh, the lighting was definitely really interesting because it's not... You know, it's not in a way where you just uh, adjusted the the shutters and you shot, you know, like day for night, like they used to in the old days of the movies. It's uh, it's got a very interesting quality to it. And uh, I guess if your song is called "Taken by Moonlight," it's it's worth taking the little extra time to actually give it that that legitimate feel to it, right? Yeah, you know, the funny thing was is we were talking about it, and we were trying to figure out a way to record the music video, like in the complete darkness and you know i talked to the video guy and i was like well let's just put a bunch of lights around it at first and then he's like well it's, it's not going to work like that because it's going to be too harsh you know just having these these regular lights beaming on our face it's not really going to look like moonlight and you know like you said a song with that's called taken by moonlight wouldn't the video wouldn't look good if it was in the middle of the day so <laughs> yeah, if you guys like went out to the the desert and shot it at you know like one in the afternoon, it'd be like, all right. I mean, it looks cool, but it's uh doesn't have anything to do with moonlight. So uh, yeah, I liked uh you know the little sort of the you know the little DIY filmmaking uh, approach to it because it definitely looks cool and it uh, matches up uh, very well with the song. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the band, and I think it's uh, always uh, worth pointing out that uh, you know obviously. All of you are, uh, you're all in your early 20s, right? I mean, uh, I know that uh, you're, you're 21 still and uh, the other guys are in their early 20s too. So obviously, you know, you couldn't have possibly known these guys for a, a very long time. But uh, talk about how you found the other guys and uh, give, the, give some praise to uh, Zach, Ethan, and uh, everybody else that uh, worked on the album with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we met uh, a couple different times when I was like 18 or 19. And, um, you know, I'd played in other bands and they, they were like opening the shows in their other band. And I always like thought they, that their groove and, and the way they played together was really tight. And when I started doing my own solo thing, um, I started out just by myself. I was doing a lot of acoustic shows, just singing and singing and playing by myself. Um, and I put a demo on SoundCloud uh, that was just me singing and playing my guitar that, you know, Frank helped me pr start producing. And um, when I went to the NAMM show in 2020, I was at the Gibson booth and the drummer, Zach, right there, you can see him. Uh, he, he approached me and said he had heard the demo and he wanted to jam. And I had always wanted to jam with this guy. I always loved his playing. He, he's got that John Bonham style that I really connect to. And I think really is um, such a good sound for a trio. And I always wanted to do a trio because I wanted to challenge myself to be able to write all the guitar parts, rhythm and lead, and sing at the same time. And so I, I'd always, you know, dreamed of something like that. And um, so we we got together after Nam was over. Uh, we got together uh, at Frank's garage. He thankfully let us use his garage to get together and start uh, practicing. And 
that we needed a bass player. And he was like, yeah, I know my friend Ethan. And I was like, hey, that's the same guy that you, you've been jamming with for years, right? And so they were best friends. So it was really easy transition to start the band and start songwriting because the chemistry that they had, it was easy for me to just jump on that and, and start um, working together as a, as a unit right away. Yeah, and uh, you've mentioned uh, Frank a couple of times, and uh, obviously that's uh, Frank Hannon from Tesla, who you met when you were younger. And uh, before we talk about that, uh, is there is there anything you can tell us? Because uh, you know people know that uh, you know he and some of the guys in Tesla they had to uh, get off the road. Is he doing all right as far as you know? I mean, I'm not asking you know specifics, but uh, obviously we want to hear that he's doing well and uh, taking it easy, and hopefully he's back out there soon. Yeah, yeah, I've talked to him a couple of times, and he's doing okay. Great. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a not not an easy thing to get through. Um, you know, like it's been, he's been he's had it for about two weeks and he's still still dealing with it lingering. So it comes in waves and stuff. And yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, specifically there there was a, an outbreak of COVID within the the Tesla camp and uh, and and some of the band as well. And uh, Frank was one of the ones who, you know, he, he, you know, some, some people when that happens in other bands, they, they don't want to mention, you know, who it was and that's, you know, up to their privacy, but uh, Frank has been pretty, uh, you know, uh, forthright about it. And yeah, that, you know, I've, I, anybody that I know that had it, you know, mostly had it like last year and stuff, but when they did, it just doesn't go away. So uh, it's like, all you can do is kind of wait it out and uh, hopefully he's, uh, you know, back at it soon, but obviously uh, putting the album together, what uh you guys worked on it and one of the things that i don't even remember if we talked about this last time but i loved that this jumped out in in the notes uh to be able to get to have some studio time with frank you actually worked at his ranch right yeah yeah so i i still do that because uh Great. I'm, still bro- I'm still broke but, <laughs> but um you know he, he he's really generous with how he um he helps you know me and 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 uh you know, other people out with when it comes to studio time. And so I would, I'd go to his place and, you know, um, tend to the horses, you know, mow his lawns and, and do, do all the, the maintenance and everything. And then, you know, after working in, in the sun for, you know, five or six hours or whatever, we go into the, you go to the studio and, you know, he would listen, he'd, I'd sit down with an acoustic guitar and I'd be like, here's my new ideas. And so then we would, you know, put a list together and then, um, you know, we were able to, he hooked us up with a practice space about like five minutes from his house. So I would work at his place in the daytime and then my band would come to the practice space um, in the evening. And so um, a lot of that writing process was like me working on the, um, working on the album, you know, the songs acoustically in uh, at his house during the day. Um, you know, in between the breaks of me working on his on his ranch, and then I'd go to the band, and the band would would make the song more rock and more lively. Because you know, every time I'd write a song on acoustic, it seemed to be a little more like softer um, and and be a little bit more melodic. And then when the drums and bass and electric guitar come in, it just becomes like such a different experience. But it holds on to that same feeling that I I hoped to when I had first written the tune, and so. The process of the album kind of was was uh, me with an acoustic guitar and then bringing it to the band and and specifically uh, taken by moonlight. I had like the, I had the ideas for it, but you know, like I said, when we had, we had written so many songs that um, 
we we just kind of like put it on the backboard and i'm so glad that you know like it was like a month before the album came out we decided to work on it for a day or two and we got it to where we really loved it and then we shot a music video for it um right before the record came out and it all happened so quick and i and i i really uh you know, still feel emotionally attached to that, so that song and, and the message that it has. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's interesting as you were talking about sort of developing the songs on acoustic guitar, you think about obviously, you know, when you go from acoustic to electric and sort of the big uh, in instrumentation around it, you can see that a lot of times it's more powerful, but it, it, it just took me back for a moment. If you're familiar with uh, Bob Mould, who was in Husker Du, and he had a band called Sugar in the late 90s, I, I've seen him acoustic a couple of times, and literally every two songs, he breaks a string and he has to read, because of the way that, you know, that he plays it, and it's like, you know, most guys don't do that, but he's like that dedicated to like, you know, he's almost like punishing his acoustic guitar. You know, he's like, well, you're going to have to wait. I have to put more strings on, you know, and uh, it's kind of kind of funny to think about, you know, just what an acoustic guitar can do. And, you know, obviously, you know, you're talking about uh, Frank Hannon and Tesla, you know, the, their uh, five man acoustical jam album. I mean, those are acoustic versions of those songs, but it's not like, oh, they they don't they don't rock because they're uh, they're acoustic now, you know, I mean, not, not everything gets slowed down and uh, it is, it is impressive sort of the, uh, you know, the way that you can get the different sounds and just referencing uh, Tesla that came, this came up in the chat from Sam. Uh, he's uh, excited to check out the band because uh, if you guys play with Tesla and Frank produced the album with you guys and uh, yeah. you know, he's sort of really been like a mentor to you since you were a fairly young teenager, right? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'd gone to Tesla shows since I was, like, 10 years old. There's a photo of me. That I, I spent the whole day making my own shirt uh, with the Tesla logo on it. And, I, you know, I was in, like, fourth or fifth grade, and I spent all day on it. And uh, we went to the show, um, a local show here at Thunder Valley. Um, and that was, you know, one of the cool memories. Um, but I think I, I first met him at, like, a local show um, here afterwards. You know, I saw him... Um, set a guitar on fire at the club and it was so sick he played his solo while it was on fire nice <laughs> yeah and so i'd never seen anything like that you know um before in my life and um so yeah i was a big fan of his and then when i was like 16 or 17 he um he started like commenting on a lot of my posts like saying that he really enjoyed my guitar playing and i was like i remember screenshotting it when he sent me a happy like 17th birthday and I was oh, wow. just like, you know, I was like really uh, stoked about it. And so I, I kind of built a relationship with him over the course of a couple of years. And then when I turned 18, he started working with my previous band. And that's kind of when um, the the whole uh, working for studio time kind of started. And then when my other band fell through, he, he encouraged me to start singing because um, up until a year and a half ago, I never sang in my life. So he he really helped me kind of like get out of my comfort zone and that's when I started you know uh, wanting to pursue the trio and sing and play at the same time and so that's kind of how it became right yeah absolutely and and you know it's interesting because you have to imagine Frank was like happy 17th birthday you're still not old enough to set your guitar on fire you know <laughs> yeah. it's uh yeah I mean that's a uh, that I mean you know when you see stuff like you know Hendrix setting his guitar on fire and and it's not quite the same but you know the ace freely smoking guitar it always looks really cool and uh, so yeah I can imagine if you see that as a kid it uh it like it has to blow your mind a little bit and uh yeah I've 
you know, I've talked to you and uh, I've talked to uh Dino from the band Red Voodoo, and I know that uh, Frank is involved with them, and it just seems like he's very supportive, uh, you know, for uh, young talent. And uh, I think it's great that you can have somebody that has, you know, one his experience, but also just his know-how, just sort of helping through it. It's really, you know, it's that kind of advantage that uh, you know, kids who uh, weren't lucky enough to be born in Sacramento don't have a Frank Hannon in their life. So, uh, so, uh, so the album uh, is is out now, and uh, people can go to JT. Lux and again I spell J-T-L-O-U-X dot com uh, for more information and all the particulars and they can find all your social media there so uh, obviously uh, it's uh, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice in terms of uh, doing live shows are there plans for them are there plans that you had and uh, they keep getting pushed back or uh, what uh, you know even if it's just for a show or two what are the plans for uh, for playing some of this music live yeah, so we had we've done a couple uh, big gigs this this summer so far, and have gotten the chance to um, you know go out to Dallas and Texas and play in front of a lot of people, and um, got a chance to be on the Eddie Trunk show. So I, I was able to do a lot of um, cool things this summer, but like you said, you know, with a lot of people, this new strand and a lot of people getting sick, um, things are getting pretty ca- canceled pretty quickly, um, and so a sure. lot of the stuff that we had plan for um, this later this year is getting pushed back to possibly 2022 but that's fine with us you know we're working on the next record already and we're just trying to stay focused and I'm trying to improve my voice and keep finding myself um, as an artist but um, you know like you said as it comes to live shows you know it's kind of it's kind of a hit or miss and so we're just kind of like keeping our heads down and and um, you know we're we're hoping to get on some um, supporting acts as uh, it, uh 2022 approaches and just kind of build our local following here for the rest of this year and then like i said get on a, a bigger uh tour next year yeah absolutely and uh, i think that uh that, that's really the key you know is uh just getting in front of people because uh you know it's great because uh somebody comes across the song they can find you and they can find more music but uh, it's just sort of getting that foot in the door uh it's great to be out there you know sort of uh with a band i i i do always try to to get to uh you know see opening bands uh, you know when i i go to a show because uh it's it's hard to find the new music you know it's uh if uh if i'm not sent it you know from a publicist or you know you mentioned eddie trunk he does a really good job talking and and focusing on younger bands uh, on his show but uh there's not a lot of places out there so uh it's good to do it um you know, it's interesting because I, I think we did talk about this uh, the last time that I had you on, which was about three months ago, uh, that you hadn't really done any singing until a year and a half ago. But I had forgotten that until you said it now, because listening to the new song a bunch of times, it's not like, you know, you think, oh, yeah, this is a guy who uh, is, you know, just dipping his toe in and trying to sing. Uh, was it, do you feel it was self-confidence or just you, were you apprehensive? Did you just want to focus on the guitar? Uh, was there, was there a reason that you only just recently, you know, is there a specific reason you can pinpoint, well, this is why I didn't start singing until a little while ago? Yeah, that's a good question. And so like, honestly, it was all confidence and that's kind of what Frank taught me was to just be yourself you know like I grew up listening to a lot of you know 70s and 80s singers um so I never really saw myself as a singer because of how deep my voice was and I I could I try and sing along to other songs and you know I my voice never fit it but 
you know, what he taught me was to just really be myself and just work on work on my my own style, you know, and that really that really boosted my confidence because when you stop trying to be somebody else and you start trying to be yourself, that's when you find it. And so, um, you know, I, like my whole life, I just ever since I was 11 years old, I'd been just playing guitar. So, um, yeah, and I was scared. I was scared to sing, you know, um, singing is like a, a weird thing because, uh, you know, when when you put yourself out there like that, it's super vulnerable. And so um, but the, the good thing about, you know, the good thing I could say about the whole quarantine and COVID thing is. I got to sing to a wall for, you know, six months and, and you know, it, it yeah. really allowed me to kind of like belt it out and just like kind of get all the bad, you know, the bad stuff out. And, you know, so for me, it was really just like a lack of self-confidence. I think that's what he instilled in me. And um, he just said, you know, do it like you play, do it like you play guitar. Just, just go for it. You know, when you go, like you said, that guy breaking the strings a lot, he's, very passionate about yeah. playing his guitar and, and he just goes for it and I think that uh, that really shines through in the music when you listen to music if someone's not passionate about it it's hard for your listener to latch on to and so it's all about confidence I think like 90% of it is, is, is confidence yeah and it seems like you know some good advice from Frank there in terms of you know focusing on what your strengths are you know your voice is is not going to be Sammy Hagar because well first of all there's only one Sammy Hagar but you know you don't try and and you know you don't try and be Robert Plant when you're not Robert Plant you know uh two things from Sam in the chat he just added your album on Apple Music so uh it's a, uh, a, a, a happy customer right there. Uh, other than Frank and Tesla, who are some of your biggest influences, uh, Sam wants to know? That's a good question. Um, you know, when it comes to guitar, obviously, um, I, I kind of like separate singing and guitar nowadays because um, I've separated them so much. Um, but guitar-wise, you know, obviously Hendrix uh, was huge because, you know, he just like changed music forever. Um, I like, I like, uh, Clapton. I like, uh, you know, Robbie Krieger from the doors. Um, and, and so a lot of sixties guys and seventies guys. Um, I grew up as a huge, uh, David Gilmore fan. I really like the, the melodic theatrical approach that he has when it comes to solos and, and just music in general. Um, but uh, for vocalists, you know, when I started out, I told Frank, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a singer, man. And he's like, dude, you know, nobody, nobody's a singer when they start, you know, like you are as good as you think you are. And, and, and so he just told me to start with simple songs. So I started singing like um, low songs because he said, you know, listen, man, you have a deep voice. So I, I want you to start with like some Jim Morrison, some Jimi Hendrix and some really low and easy stuff like that. And, and so that, that's kind of where I started when it came you know, vocally. Um, but recently, I've I've really gotten into uh, Jeff Buckley as a vocalist. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, I really like his approach to vibrato and how he sustains his notes, and uh, I love the fact that he's. Uh, I I look up to a lot of guitar player singer guys. Um, I'm not as into like uh, frontman just because I I am a guitar guitarist myself. I really enjoy listening to bands that are just frontmen. But when I see somebody play a guitar and, and sing at the same time, it, it it inspires me because that's exactly what I do. So, um, 
you know. Yeah, exactly. To sort of, you know, I, I just mentioned Sammy Hagar. It's like, yeah, it's it's great what like David Lee Roth did in his heyday, but uh, there is something, you know, for a, a guy who is the singer and the guitar player, and you know, you can see them doing both. And you know, in terms of just sort of influences, I mean, you obviously you also. Uh, write the lyrics for these songs is that something you just started doing you know do you have like you know poetry you wrote when you were like nine and stuff like that have you been writing a long time or uh did it come easy to you or did you just have to you know did you write like you know i don't know a couple hundred terrible songs by your mind and then eventually you kind of got the hang of it or uh, when did you feel you kind of came into your own as a songwriter in, ter in terms of, uh, of writing lyrics yeah, so lyrics kind of came a little bit later. Um, I had been singing for a couple months, and I didn't really think of myself as um, very, you know, literate. And when it came to like spoken word and and all this poetic kind of stuff, um, but really, it's the same thing as singing. It's singing, and so like uh, as much confidence as you have is as good as you're gonna be because like the second that I opened my mind to the possibility of singing and, and, and songwriting, um, you know, I just went for it. And that's the same thing for um, writing lyrics. The second that I just sat down and tried to do it is when stuff started coming out. And I never thought of myself as, you know, I was never a good writer, but um, it inspired me to, to look into poetry and everything. And so like, um, but you're right. I did write a lot of terrible songs in the beginning. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and so like I started out as writing songs very literally like exactly what I'm hearing in my mind and then I started like learning how to use metaphors and learning how to ways to um, say things in like a more elegant or different way and I think that really helped me um, like I said the, the whole thing of not playing shows it really let me focus on just sitting down with a, a pen and paper and and writing the lyrics. Um, I guess it wasn't really a pen and paper. Nowadays, it's all on the phone. I, I, I just kind of like record my ideas and then right. I'll type, type my lyrics, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's the same idea. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting that that's also something that, uh, you know, you've uh, only really taken up in the, you know, the last couple of years is uh, the actual writing lyrics and singing them. You know, you were talking about you know, just sort of focusing on singing sort of deeper songs. Were there uh, some door songs that were particularly fun for you to sing? I mean, you know, Morrison has uh, so many of those songs that, you know, start off really low and then he's, he's yelling in a way that seems, you know, like a, like a lot of fun, like, you know, I'm not a singer at all, but uh, I always liked that song, the, the soft parade, because he just goes on into such like weird, crazy stuff. And, you know, and he's, he's yelling at the beginning of it, you know, there's, it, it, it must be fun if you're working, Working on singing, you know, to to go with somebody that was, you know, honestly such a such a showman like Jim, you know. Yeah, definitely. And he he had the same kind of problem when he first started. He he used to have his back turned to the audience. He would face the drummer, and he was just really um, shy. And as soon as he started, you know, with having confidence, he turning around. People loved his showmanship, and so. When it came when it came to his songs, you know, I started out with like really easy songs like "Hello, I Love You" and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Um, but then getting more into like uh, like Soul Kitchen um, and uh, a lot of like stuff um, on the first record too. Um, that, like the end is a really great one to sing just because um, 
you know, that's that's kind of how I, I started to learn how to how to yell and belt is like listening to him because he didn't really have much vocal technique uh, in the beginning. Yeah. And I think that that kind of was played to benefit to him because he could play around with his voice. He didn't really worry about, you know, the technique at first. And he he discovered a lot of himself and he had the same situation. Um, and and so uh, same thing, like uh, another one of my influences is Dave Grohl. Because sure. he um, went from not singing very much and being a drummer to picking up the guitar and, write, and songwriting and lyrics and, and singing and front, fronting a band. And so, like, one of my biggest influences the last 10 years has been, you know, Dave Grohl. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the fact that, you know, his uh, his legacy would have been something impressive. It's just like, oh, yeah, he was the you know, he wasn't on the first Nirvana record, but you know he was on the other two. And it was just like, yeah, that's enough. I think he sang one. There's a Nirvana song called Marigold. I think it might be the only one that he sang. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. And, and he played almost all the instruments on that first Foo Fighters record. And you're like, wait, this guy can do all this, you know, and, and it's uh you know, it, it's not that uh, it, it's a bad thing to be overshadowed in a band like Nirvana, but uh, to just get the opportunity to show what you can do, it's, uh, you know, it's a it's a really impressive thing to, you know, just see. And the fact that that was 25 years ago, and by all indications, Dave Grohl seems like a good guy. And, uh, you know, he had that, there's that fascinating HBO series where they made that one record where they went to all the different cities and, you know, they used the old studios that, uh, you know, some classic uh, artists had done. I forget which album of theirs it was that but uh you know it's a guy who has the ability but uh, he just has the love of the history of music and you know specifically rock and roll and uh it's uh it's always great to see that and you know look i i, I definitely get that vibe from you just a couple times that we've talked and uh you know sort of uh knowing some of the the minutiae about uh, guys like uh, you know jim morrison that's sort of a great moment in the oliver stone doors movie you know when he's like first on stage at the whiskey a go-go and and yeah he's like just got his back to the audience and they're like you know what are you doing but i can yeah. imagine you know it seems very consistent with uh guy who was a little bit tortured but uh jt it's uh great to get a chance to chat with you again and uh, i do hope that uh, there are some live shows before we know it uh oh and look at sam is just helping me with everything some highways that was the Foo fighters album that uh you know i'm, I'm getting older i can't remember things as well as i oh, used yeah, to so they, thank you yeah but that was yeah that was just sort of a great thing that you know they they went in and they used like this classic studio in places like nashville and all that so uh but anyway uh yeah looking forward to uh hearing more music and uh you know, hopefully that uh, you, you'll have plenty of music to put out there and you guys will be out on the road at the same time. And uh, they can find everything at uh, JTLUX, JTLOUX.com, including social media. JT, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you chatting with me again. Yeah, thank you so much, man. And everyone can check us out on Spotify as well. We're, we're growing our, our listeners there. And then like my main uh, platform right now is Instagram. Uh, we do post things on Facebook, but Instagram is like where you can find uh, a lot of stuff as well. But if you guys are um, into that kind of thing, you know, uh, I know a lot of people are still into Facebook. But like you said, our website, jtlux.com. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And it's just jtlux uh, on Instagram, right? Just uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people that, you know, are still on Facebook, there is something great about uh, Instagram because it's just the scrolling is like, oh, I like this picture. Oh, a video. But, uh, you know, Facebook, it's like, I have to read. 
you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, Instagram. Facebook is more confusing to me. And I talk to people, like I'll talk to my parents and they're like, how do you do Instagram? It's so confusing. I'm like, Facebook is way more confusing <laughs> to me. There's so much more words and, and text. Yeah, exactly. So uh, JT Lux, uh, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon, man. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you giving me the time. Thanks again to JT and to Sydney Pierce of ASMR. Come back tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow for two more great interviews. Another visit, which I believe is the third visit from Larry Studnicki of High Plains Drifters. And before that, we'll talk to Danny Rossi of the band Outliers. But that's not this time. That'll be next time. On the Bloodcast. Take my moonlight, save it for tonight when I see you. Something don't seem right. Where's your appetite for my love?